between 2003 and 2012, Sened Zaghetti was a leader in the radical far-right Jobbik party of the Hungarian parliament. The Jobbik party in the Hungarian parliament was virulently anti-Semitic. And in June 2011, Sanad Zaghetti revealed that he had just learned that his maternal grandparents were Jewish, and therefore he was a Jew. He also learned that his grandmother survived Auschwitz, and this dramatic revelation led Zaghetti to explore his Jewish roots. He began to meet regularly with the rabbi, and in 2012, Zaghetti apologized publicly to the rabbi for his anti-Semitic remarks. He traveled to Israel for the first time. He visited the Kotel Yad Vashem. He had himself circumcised and he continued to learn with the rabbi. Today, Zagedi goes by the name of David. He keeps kosher. He observes Shabbat and wears a kippah wherever he goes. How does someone go from being a rabid anti-Semite to being a fully committed Jew, embracing his Judaism? Are people really capable of this kind of radical change, or is this just some sort of fluke? It's a cool story to open up a speech with, or is this something that we can actually learn to do on our own lives? Zagetti had this rare quality of being open and flexible. When he realized that his philosophy, his ideology was not in line with reality, and that what he believed was false and immoral, he was actually able to change. And I wanted to speak about this quality of being open to change, of doing a, a 180 in our lives. Because in this Parsha that we just read this past Shabbat, we see this with Judah. Judah emerges as the primary figure in this week's Parsha because he's the first to change the attitude of the way the brothers see each other. Much of the sibling rivalry between Joseph and his brothers can be boiled down to B'nai Leah, B'nai Rachel. The sons of Leah, we're not getting along with the sons of Rachel. Rachel had only Yosef at the time, and then later Benjamin, and then he had the sons of Leah. And of course, Yaakov had married Rachel and Leah, and the children of Leah resented the children of Rachel because they were favored by Jacob. Yehuda is the first to put a stop to all of this sibling rivalry. He's the only one of the sons of Leah to say, Genuk, as they say in Yiddish. Enough is enough. Yeah, we feel justified because Jacob got the coat of many colors and he shared those dreams where we were bowing down to him. But this is not the way to deal with it. And so in last week's Parsha, when Jacob asks his sons to go down to Egypt for food because there's a famine, and they tell him we can't go back without Benjamin, the youngest son of Rachel, what does Judah tell his father? To get him to let go and to let them take Benjamin down so they could eat and not starve? During the famine, he says to him, Anochi Aravenu, I am a guarantor. I am responsible. From me you can demand him. This is the first time Jacob ever hears a son of Leah taking responsibility for a son of Rachel. And when Yaakov sees that Judah is putting himself on the line, he says, okay, you can take him. You can go. Anochi Aravenu, Judah says, I will be his guarantor. And Judah again does it in last week's Parsha. After Benjamin is brought down to Egypt to prove they're not spies, in this daring and bold manner, Judah stands up to Joseph. He doesn't know he's Joseph. He just thinks at this point still he's the viceroy, number two in command to, to, to Pharaoh. What does he say to him? 
Ki avdacha ravetanar, because your servant, referring to himself, Judah's humbling himself. He says, because your servant, I have become a guarantor for the na'ar, for the lad. I'm responsible for him. And when he tells Joseph this, and when Joseph hears that Judah is taking responsibility for his kid brother Benjamin, another son of, Le- of Rachel, that's when Joseph breaks down. That's when Yosef reveals his true identity. I knew Yosef, Ha'od Avichai. I am Joseph, my, my brother's still alive. Yehuda is able to break the family pattern. And with this, he convinces Jacob to let Benjamin go down to Egypt. He inspires Joseph to begin the process of forgiving his brothers. This ability to admit fault and to change, to be open to change, is how Yehuda becomes the leader of not only the brothers, but ultimately of the Jewish people. We know that leadership flows from the tribe of Judah. We saw this two weeks ago when Judah himself tells his daughter-in-law Tamar, you are more righteous than I. And he was dealing with a very embarrassing situation involving sexual impropriety. Judah takes responsibility. He admits his wrongdoing. He demonstrates his family line is truly fitting for kingship. We know that Jewish kings and ultimately the Messiah has to come from the tribe of Judah. And this helps explain why Yehuda becomes the leader and not Joseph. Right? Joseph's on top now in terms of Egypt, but what goes into the future in terms of Jewish leadership is from the tribe of Judah, not Joseph. Joseph may be a model for how to combine success in the secular world while maintaining your Jewish identity, because that's the life he lived in Egypt. But Judah becomes the Jewish leader because he can break away from family dynamics. He can stop bad habits. And this is such a powerful lesson for all of us because we all get ourselves into certain fixed ways of thinking and behaving. We get stuck in certain patterns that deprive us of greater happiness and fulfillment. What does the Torah challenge us to do? Break the model. Break the patterns. Break the habits. Be open to change. I was speaking to someone actually not so long ago who was now a regular at MGE on Shabbat. And I remember telling him, I remember him telling me that there's no way I can come on a Saturday morning, right? Saturday before 11 a.m., the very thought of waking up at 8 or 9 in the morning to be able to come here to services, it was like a shock to his system. But he did it. One Saturday morning, he managed to not turn over again, get out of bed, and come to shul, come to MGE. And the rest was history. I had another student years ago who said to me, Rabbi, I'm coming observant. I'm really loving becoming more Jewish. But no matter how observant I ever become, I will never stop eating lobster. Right? Lobster was his thing. Now, somehow, he hasn't touched lobster. Right? Now, for centuries, no one was able to run a mile in less than four minutes. But when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, within weeks, others were able to do so. How is that possible? Because just knowing something is possible can help us make it possible. We simply need to open our minds to new possibilities. I want to share a famous story of Uri Zohar. Uri Zohar was Israel's top comedian, television, and radio talk show host. He was, for years, very secular, anti-religious in his orientation. A lot of his comedy and his satire revolved around jokes he made about Judaism and Orthodox Jews. But about 25 years ago, Uri Zohar set out to investigate with the purpose of impeaching the veracity of the claim that the Torah was divine in its origin. 
and therefore relevant to the lives of contemporary Jews. Now, so he went into this investigation just to confirm that this could not, this Torah, this Torah could not have come from a higher place. It was written by a bunch of people. We're smarter than them today. They were primitive. And he started to investigate. And that investigation, although originally conducted to confirm his belief that Judaism couldn't be true, ultimately led Urizar to the belief that the Torah was actually of divine in nature. And he continued with his open mind to investigate. And little by little, he became observant. Uri Zohar, of blessed memory, passed away recently, was Israel's most celebrated Baal Tshuva. He was raising money for yeshiva. He used to walk around with a, with a, always with a, a sefer, with a Jewish book in his hand, never wasting a moment from his Torah study. How does a person manage to go from mocking Torah, from making fun of religious people, to becoming religious themselves? From being an anti-Semite, Sened Zigedi, to becoming a Torah-observant Jew? And the answer, my friends, is by being open-minded. Because anything is possible when you have an open mind, when you're willing to question the way that you have become habituated to a certain way of thinking and behaving. And I didn't mean to just say you. It's all of us. We all have sort of ways that we get, we lock ourselves into certain ways of behaving and thinking. And like Judah in last week's Parsha, we have to be open enough to make some changes and never allow our thinking or our behavior of the past to dominate our future. I can't think of a greater message for us today because we're getting more and more locked into certain ways of thinking. And, you know, we always tell each other, you have to be open-minded, right? But are we really open-minded consistently? We have to be open-minded to everything in a consistent fashion. And if we can do that, we can follow Judah's lead and we can change bad family patterns. We can, we, we can modify poor habits that we have. We can really change our lives. We can start running, you know, maybe not four-minute miles, but if we think that we're capable of, of doing more, of pushing ourselves further, whether it's in the physical realm, in the spiritual realm, whether it's in our relationships, or in our professions and our career aspirations. There's no stopping what we can do. The only impediment really is ourselves and our own past in terms of the way we've been pre-programmed or been programmed to think and behave. Let's lose it. Let's get really open-minded and please God in being able to do this. We can accomplish great, great things and become great people that we were intended to be if we can just break the pattern. Thanks for listening.